0: Three, two, one, welcome to the Dander Zone. This episode is the second podcast in a series of conversations I'm having surrounding the injustice that two Marine Raiders and a Marine Raider medic are currently facing. If at any point you feel you are missing some context, go back and listen to episode 41, where I introduce and outline the current situation. If you feel as though you're having trouble understanding the dynamics at play in the way military handles court cases, go back and listen to part one of these conversations. In that episode, episode 42, I talk with Fred Galvin, who is able to provide some insight regarding the complexity and severity of this situation. He has firsthand experience as Marine Corps officer fighting for injustice for himself and his men who were wrongfully accused back in 2007. Today, I'm talking with the wife of one of the accused marine raiders in the current case pending court martial, or as you know it, trial. Her name is Destiny Dreher, and she is the wife of Danny Draher. She is also a mother, prior service member, and a gold star spouse. We discuss her personal experiences and gain some perspective on how this current case has been handled so far. Please provide your support by listening to her story, visiting UAP. .org, ReconSniperFoundation.org, and ReconFoundation.org, and asking how you can support these warriors and their families. Also consider writing letters to your representatives in the U.S. Congress and Senate. Make sure not to mention if you're associated with a branch of service. If you're a prior service member and you put that you were in the Navy, Marine Corps, Army, etc., the... Congressional offices will just direct those letters to the services and they won't be processed by the representatives themselves. You can also attend your representatives' town halls and ask them if they are familiar with the case and if they're willing to get involved and join the Justice for Warriors Caucus. For those of you that don't know, the Justice for Warriors Caucus is a nonpartisan congressional caucus to support imprisoned combat warriors who fought for our freedom and have been unfairly treated by the military justice system. So now, here's episode 43. Hello Destiny, welcome to the Danger Zone.
1: Hi Dan, how are you?
0: Doing good. Um, Thank you so much for being willing to join me on the podcast so we can share the information about this incident and this case and this injustice that's currently happening.
1: Well, thank you for actually giving me the opportunity to speak and say my side of the story.
0: For sure. Um, speaking of your side of the story, let's let's go ahead and dive into it and... Let's hear from your perspective from when the incident happened and, you know, kind of chronologically, can you kind of tell us what happened from your end and um, just your experience uh, through, you know, hearing about what happened and sort of starting from the beginning?
1: Yes. We need to go back to 2018 going into 2019, so this would be New Year's Eve. I get a call from my husband, and he is telling me, hey, him and a few friends are going to be going out to go grab some food and just have a a little celebration. And um, I'm like, okay. So then I think it's the date, so it's January 1st, 2000. 19 and I get a phone call from him and he somewhat explains to me a situation that happened pretty much after midnight. And at that time, I didn't think it was much of a, a, a big deal. So I guess so we get off the phone and I get a call from him a few hours later and he tells me um, that I might not hear from him. And that he might not be calling me from his personal phone, so I was like, "All right, mind you, I just know very generalized things of what occurred." So then I get a—I pretty much get a phone call, and um, he's pretty much in a in a different country. So three days after that, I start seeing articles being circulated about the situation. And
0: how did how did they a, initially tell the story?
1: So the articles had a really false narrative to it. The articles were stating that the contractor Rodriguez was getting had gotten curb stomped. He got jumped, the altercation started at the gym, the altercation started at uh, a shooting competition, Um, and that was about it. They were just really outrageous stories with with no facts, and they were all anonymous, of course. So then, at that time, I'm thinking, okay, you put this article out, and there's people that's reading it. But never once did you ever think about maybe the family of the the deceased that was reading it and how they're feeling about the situation and just the fact that it wasn't the truth. Um, so I start seeing these articles, and maybe three days later, I'm starting to get phone calls to my personal phone, and they're from friends that are, that are in our community, and they are stating that they're hearing from people within leadership inside of a bar talking about what Danny did, and he, I guess he was stating, did you hear what he did, kind of like the whole rumor mill starting, and this is kind of upsetting because people, people listen to this crap, and, and that's somebody who's pretty much a senior enlisted individual, so he's already starting to taint certain certain things, so that's when I started getting upset, and I hear from Danny, I'm kind of relaying him all this information that I'm hearing about the article, and then another article comes out, and four days later, the contractor, uh, he dies, and I think maybe a day or, I think a day or so. After that, Danny gets transferred to Camp John and eventually he comes home a few weeks after that.
0: Wow, so here this, this incident occurred, and there's a false narrative put out. There's lies put mm-hmm. out in the public space right away. Um, the family of the deceased is being told a false narrative right off the bat um and so like what what happened following that like what what happened with danny and um and you like what what happened how how did it play out after the initial incident reporting and um you know the contractor passing away
1: so at this time, since I'm not hearing much from Danny and I'm not really hearing a status of where he's at, I'm pretty much at, at this point expecting like expecting a phone call from the command uh, just as common courtesy and, and respect for, for my family and the two other families that are involved, so I, I don't get a phone call, and from the point of the incident, to present day, I still have not heard anything from the, from the command. And um, so he ends up coming home, and pretty much at the point that he comes home and lands in the, in, in the U.S., the command has already preemptively found him guilty before ever hearing any of the facts. And that pretty much sets the tone for the past, like, 13 months, So a few months after this and he's home, I want to say it's about mm, May-June time frame. Danny ends up getting his pay taken away, his uh, SDA pay. He gets a security clearance revoked. His promotion is put on hold. He's alienated. He's humiliated. They put him in the gym for, I guess, to show up for duty and, and work there. The other individuals are barrack managers, or they're sitting in a clinic absolutely doing nothing.
0: So you're telling me there is no presumption of innocence at all? Um, Not not at all. And (laughs) punishment was dealed out before, like, it sounds like there was even an investigation completed on this deal. Um. what didn't um? if I remember correctly didn't Danny had already contacted the command and told them what happened like soon after the incident
1: so yes uh, so right after the incident the next day after the altercation um, Danny let his command know hey this, this is this is what happened
0: mm-hmm.
1: so there was no, he was trying to hide it or anything. Yeah. E- everybody knew.
0: So the command had the true story, yet there was this false story that was put out in the public, a lie, and the command grabbed onto that instead and then had this knee-jerk reaction and punished him, already punished these, these, uh, these men, these <laughs> Marine Raiders, and... That's that demonstrates no presumption of innocence when you're already dealing out punishment before there's even been, you know, you're proven at fault. Uh, and for those of you that don't understand maybe how the military works, getting your se- security clearance pulled, um, the being, his promotion being held up, Uh, having pay taken away when you have, you know, family that you're providing for all that stuff is (coughs) pretty severe punishment. And to go on beyond that, to like be sort of the humiliation campaign you're talking about where they're talking behind his back around the command, spreading rumors and false stories around that's, that's just insult to injury, you know, and uh-huh. creating sort of that. When <laughs> how how is there supposed to be a a fair inve- investigation, a fair trial, or anything in this when the potential juror pool is already tainted, you know? Um, it's just it's it's wild to see how how hard these knee jerk reactions are and you know, they're still, still looking to continue with this, this trial and this punishment. Um, can you tell me a little bit about NCIS investigating this, like at Iraq and then how they handled it here back in the U S Yeah, So
1: there's, there was like a lead investigator out there that pretty much investigated everything, and he and, and we'll discuss this in a few. He ends up showing up to the Article 32 hearing. Um, if people don't know, an Article 32 hearing, it's like a, a grand jury on this the civilian side, and there's a lot of people out there that don't really understand the military justice system. They don't understand the command is supposed to be fair impartial and the commands always supposed to stay neutral so I should be able to have the ability to to trust the legal process but I don't because how do I trust the legal process how does Danny trust the legal process after all these things are happening and then the convening authority is general Yu, who is the Marsaw commander and people within the leadership are making comments For example, somebody made the comment, oh, those guys are murderers, and they should burn for what they did. And he said that in front of a whole bunch of subordinates. And then you have people fearing doing the right thing. So then you're starting to hear things like you can't write them a character uh, recommendation. And this is all before the facts are even out. Nobody knows anything at, at this point besides very very basic things and they are just assuming and making assumptions probably from the first few stories that came out
2: mm-hmm.
1: and people keep telling us to, to let the, the legal process work itself out but how do you do that when things are stacked up against you
0: yeah so, and
1: so Prior to the Article 32 hearing, um, NCIS did show up to mm-hmm. my house in, a, in an L-shaped formation. So one person was right at the door, and the other person was way off at the corner, like I was going to do something when I opened up the door. And they just so ha- they just so happened to come right after I gave birth to to my son. So to me, it was almost like a scare tactic. The, you know, NCIS yeah, yeah, so or the government's probably thinking, oh, they're probably going through like a lot of stress. She just had a baby, so she's probably vulnerable. So let's go to her house at this point of time.
0: Yeah, interesting. And so what what happened when when they showed up at your house and they're sort of trying to corner you during this vulnerable time <laughs> and put this pressure on you?
1: They wanted to ask questions about the situation and about Danny, but I told them that they could go ahead and speak to my lawyer about that and then I closed the door.
0: Oh, good, good. Um Yeah, NCIS does not have the cleanest history, especially of late and just in the past. Their their pressure tactics, what what they've done to families during investigations. Uh-huh. Um they there seems to be no no restraint on on their end there's there's no accountability i mean you look at the uh the recent Gallagher case, and this isn't comparing these two cases because they're very different. It's just making a statement of the sort of character of n c i s uh was using spyware on the defense's computers to uh-huh. gain information to help them in the case and they were, the people involved were only removed from the case and then they were about to be receiving medals until uh, President Trump stu- stood in and said, no, you're not getting awarded for doing the wrong thing. And I think that's what's been happening for years in this uh-huh. corrupt system it's all connected from the you know the military justice system to you know the investigators doing it Um, Uh it's jacked up Um, so while you're under all this pressure you know you have NCIS showing up your door unannounced you know they didn't feel the need to hey call you and say hey can you come in and talk to us or anything like that Um, did you at least have some support from the command like the family support structure that's supposed to be there?
1: No, there's absolutely no support from the command. Since the command steals or assumes that Danny is guilty, my family has suffered for that too. So it's like I mentioned, not even a courtesy phone call from from the beginning. So, oh,
0: so even when the incident happened they didn't they didn't keep you updated on uh no. danny's return to the u.s or anything like that not
1: at all not a pro. not a family readiness officer for those who for those who don't know um nobody not even like a little lieutenant or maybe you know a, a gunny giving me a phone call and, and it's been like that like I said, from from the beginning, um, it, it's a bit upsetting, but from my standpoint, um, it's pretty much ex- expected from them. I, I don't, I, I don't have any faith in the command or any of their family services or their programs because to me, they're really not that effective. So. Well, and they, they prove they proved my point.
0: Yeah. Uh, I would I would say so I, I would say you know SOCOM special operations command and marine special operations command talk a lot of you know talk a big game about supporting families and yet where's the proof of that where's where's your action you know actions speak louder than words what what are you doing for the families during tough times and it sounds like they were just completely absent with this, and
2: there. Mm-hmm.
0: and for people that don't understand there's there's people designated at the command, like the the we call it fro for short, it's family readiness officer. They're supposed to be there to be a link between the command and the family members because doing this job when you have uh spouse and children and all this. In order to do your job, you need to make sure y- you need to know that your family's taken care of. That that they're they're not be- being stressed out by being kept out of the loop and not knowing what's going on, you know. Very um, much so. And it seems like they're totally disregarding that, which it's it's very short-sighted on their part and can play into a readiness issue where when 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 people don't feel like their families are taken care of how are they supposed to focus on the mission when they're worried about what's going on at home and so again i, I think it is very short-sighted because if if they did genuinely care about the families and followed through with action on what they say they're supposed okay. to be doing then you would see you know mission success you you would have a, a a better better command environment you would have a better fighting force um so let's let's hear about the article 32 hearing which uh, for those of you that don't know is um it's like a grand jury right Mm -hmm. Um, so like kind of a a hearing before before trial to see if it's like worthy of going to trial as I understand it
1: yes yes so the article 32 hearing was a two-day process there there was a hearing officer there prosecution and all three of our lawyers so day one I walk in, and pretty much Rodriguez's family is there, and, and rightfully so. Um, the, the tone of the court was was really different. You could tell that they were upset, they were angry, they were sad, they were crying. They were making comments underneath their breath throughout the whole proceeding, and um, which is which is all expected. Like I I, I completely understand because I've been there. And I've had to, to grieve over a loved person. So, um, and like I said, rightfully rightfully so. But unfortunately, they are under the impression the whole time that their loved one was was murdered. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting there and I'm listening. And they bring up the lead NCIS uh, investigator. And so he was there. He saw all the videotapes because there are videotapes of the the situation that happened and he's sitting there stating the entire time Rodriguez is the aggressor. So very, rewind very important
0: answer, statement. And this very, is very
1: very very important fact. Um so rewind This is from the, the investigator
0: M- in Iraq? Yes. Okay.
1: Yes. So so he was actually on, on the witness stand. Yeah. Um so Danny, Eric, and Josh, they ended up going out. They're going out. They wanted to celebrate because Danny found out, you know, he's on the math list. Eric was on his promotion list. There's a baby on the way. So they go out, and they go to one establishment, and then they go to the next establishment where Rodriguez was at. Um, and in the video, it shows uh, Rodriguez talking to Eric. And at first, it seems okay, and then there's an, there's there's more footage where it starts getting aggressive and aggressive. Before Eric was there, Rodriguez was already giving other people a hard time. So mm-hmm. so one of the security guards sees Rodriguez kind of starting to get angry and aggressive, so he ends up kicking Rodriguez out of the establishment. Danny at this time doesn't know anything that that's going on. So when when Rodriguez is getting kicked out of the establishment, the security guard heard him say, "I'm going to kick his," referring to Eric.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He was going to kick his, you, you know, the word. And then um, he stood out there and waited. So then the establishment. So he's he's it.
0: outside waiting waiting to, you know, yeah. ambush these guys
1: yes so he's out there as we were saying earlier there was a lot of false narrative so everybody thinks there was three Marines that jumped a contractor in a dark alley that's not what happened Rodriguez was out there with five to seven other service members and contractors and they were they were by a vehicle some sort so Eric is telling Danny as they're walking to their vehicle hey you know this is what this is what happened for some reason he was being aggressive towards me. I don't even understand what he was talking about or what he was saying. He was trying to compare our jobs. Whatever it might be. So Danny's like, okay, he's like, I'll just go confront him, you know, it doesn't have to be like that. Um, let me go try to de escalate because I don't want this crap going back on on post. So Danny proceeds to go up to Rodriguez because Rodriguez is in the same pathway where their vehicle is. So Danny goes up to him, and he's like, hey, you know, like, why does it have to be like that? Like I said, he's trying to de-escalate because he has every right to, because Danny at that time was one of the senior enlisted guys over there. And um, he he has every right to make an on-the-spot correction. Like, anybody in the military, you, you can do that. So he goes up and talks to him, and Rodriguez is already starting to get aggressive, and he's poking at, like, Danny on the chest and, like, pretending to headbutt him. So Danny just pushes him and just to give space, like, hey, I don't want any, you know, I don't want to start anything, and that's when Rodriguez proceeds to punch Danny, and then as Rodriguez is winding up for the second punch, Josh comes and punches Rodriguez. Rodriguez falls to the ground, and Danny, at this time, his back is turned, um, and he just he's just hearing things, and he, he turns around. There's a little scuffle, uh, and mind you, this is all on video, and they all kind of, everybody at that point kind of gather, gathers around Rodriguez. Eric is rendering aid to him, and then at that point, everybody disperses. One person goes, grabs the keys out of Rodriguez's pocket, and they all leave. Every single one of his friends, quote-unquote friends, left. So Danny, Josh, and Eric, they were thinking to themselves, you can't leave him out here, so let's put him in the vehicle and let's drive him back. Mm -hmm. Um, So they ended up putting – they drove him back. They put him in his room. Eric and another individual sat there and pretty much watched him overnight. So – but during the Article 32 hearing, one of the witnesses stated – um, Danny was on top of them and punching them and this and that. That never happened, uh, and, and the video shows that. And these were Rodriguez's friends. Yeah. These people that were on the stand. So not much that
0: credibility was... when you leave your friend in the street.
1: Exactly. So for me, watching this and and listening to all this. I'm thinking in my mind, well, why aren't they held accountable? They just pretty much deserted their friends. So after after everything, Danny goes and, and tells the command, hey, this is what happens, this and that. I, I guess throughout the night, Rodriguez takes a turn and um, he, he starts choking. And then that's when uh, I think uh, somebody else was watching him, goes and tells Eric. Eric comes, and then they take him to the medical facility. And he's eventually flown out to launch and he passes away four days later.
0: So. Wow, so that's interesting that his his friends quote unquote friends left him there um and this is this is all on video. And you have the NCIS uh-huh. investigator that was there in Iraq who's the one, you know, the the one collecting this information stating that Rodriguez was the aggressor the whole time. Yeah. So um, what, what did the friends, you know, quote-unquote friends have to say for themselves, or what What were they saying about the incident?
1: I, I don't think they, during the hearing, they didn't really say anything. So this is day two when the video is actually shown, mm-hmm. and Danny's lawyer ends up slowing down the video so you could see it frame by frame, second by second, and you see Danny nowhere near, on, on top of Rodriguez, you don't see any of both the stories that were being told. And um, you could tell that the tone of the family had changed because mm. at this time, it's been months, you know, they, they want answers. They, they want somebody to pay for things, but they're being told by the command NCIS government convening authority, whoever it is, somebody murdered their loved one. So now that they see the video, their grieving process has now changed because when they walked out at the end of the day, it was really, really quiet because they kinda of see the truth and they kind of see the facts right there. Yeah. And that and that that's a hard that was probably a really hard pill for them to swallow. Mm-hmm. But shame on the government for allowing the family to think that their loved one was murdered. Shame on General Yu for never speaking to the guys and asking them their side of the story while he is at the deceased's funeral.
0: Wow. But yet
1: you, you don't talk to your own guys. You don't get the truth. You don't get the facts. Or you don't wait until the legal process is actually processed.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is this baffles me. That General General U is pushing this forward to uh, court martial. He's yes, he's he the convening authority. He's the one that decides um, how this plays out and. Uh, it it sounds like in this article 32 hearing, there should have been a consensus of this was self-defense. Um, the, the quote unquote friends left their friend in the street after this, um, after he was the aggressor the whole time and got, you know, Uh you know, I don't know how else to put it, put in his place, but, um, unfortunately, you know, there was complications later on, but it seems like right. you know, not re- it, it sounds like it was brought on by his own decisions to me. Yeah. And this is a case of self-defense and why it's going to court martial, you know, baffles me after, you know, I did a podcast with uh, Fred Galvin. And that'll be before this one. If you haven't heard that, you should go listen to it. And y- you start to get a clearer picture of how different the military justice system is to the civilian side and how okay. there is just prevalent injustice throughout all of it. Um, and a big part of that Conversation revolves around General Yu and the fact that he's pushing this forward, even though there's clear vid- video evidence that it was self-defense. Um, mm-hmm. If If I remember correctly, the prosecution said in the Article Thirty-Two hearing that it would be hard to, uh, to be a tough case to win um, because of the self-defense.
1: But the hearing off. Op- uh, oh. So the hearing officer said that it's gonna be a tough case oh, okay the um, officer. and he's the one who pretty much puts all the facts together and then from there he gives it to General U, and then General U can make a decision
0: and he's he's deciding um, to go forward with this and so the right. qu- question in my head was why um, and I mean I guess I would have to say he's, like, trying to save face. Um, he's trying to get promoted to, you know, he's trying to get another star. Um, it, it was very enlightening talking to Fred Galvin about all this. And so if, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I have a much better understanding. I think a lot of people maybe think, oh, it's the military. They just kind of handle their own stuff. But there is – there's uh, – you know a lot of people talk about you know draining the swamp in DC and how corrupt politicians are and stuff and that right. really does bleed over into our military um you have this commander who you know did he did he tell the family who who told the family the wrong story who who he he perpetuated a false story a lie and now is pushing self-defense case into a court-martial with huge charges stacked charges of of -hmm. of manslaughter and all these things that carry heavy 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 discipline um, or uh, punishment and he's he's also got a history of abuse I mean I heard from Fred about this guy he's He's got a history of character assassination because he's he was connected with the Marsoc Seven case. It was a case several years ago. If you want to hear about it, go listen to the last podcast. Um, he got a DUI when he was a captain, and he he got off from it, no problem, no no punishment whatsoever, and he's had a uh inspector general command climate investigation done on him which he just got put at a different command. And mm-hmm. what you see is, in the military system, it's different spanks for different ranks, as Fred, Fred puts it.
1: <laughs> Pretty much.
0: And so, so he's pushing this forward. Um, and this is why we need people to act and get involved in this case so it gets disposed before it even goes to court marshal um, do you <laughs> did you have anything to add about General Yu and sort of your experience with him Um I just here you know what can you react to this quote that he made recently he says this is in a speech he gave at a uh at a event recently he says i'm thankful for all that you do day in and day out to support our war fighters uphold our marine raider legacy and forge our path of providing the nation and geographic combat commanders a marine special operations force capable of dynamically adjusting to meet the complex demands of the future operating environment blah 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 you know buzzword 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 you know trying to sound smart uh said you I am incredibly proud of your accomplishments. At times, the ultimate sacrifice was made, and we will continue to honor and remember those that have given their lives in support of this great nation. They and their loved ones will forever be a part of our Marine Raider family.
1: Mm. Well, (laughs) that's very interesting um, because my brother-in-law had had met with him right uh, last year after the four-year anniversary of the Raider 7 passing. So my brother-in-law did a memorial march, and he ended up going over there to Stone Bay, and General U came out, and my brother-in-law was wearing flip-flops, and General U just had, you know, a narky comment to my brother-in-law, who was, also standing there with my daughter who's a gold star child and so my brother-in-law being as witty as he is made the statement well, I didn't know my brother was a civilian so I was married to uh, staff Sergeant uh, Flynn and there's a there's a wall out there of all of the fallen and the command decided to make a mistake and not put his rank on there, and uh, also spelled somebody else's name wrong. So now I don't trust a command that can't even do a simple, a simple duty of double checking on things before somebody etches in some marble. Um, and there's also, there has also been other situations um, at a social event that General U was at, where he confronts. Um, another raider and asked him a question. And uh, I guess General Yu didn't like his response, so he proceeded to go ask the wife the same question. And she agreed with General, uh, she, she agreed with her husband, I'm sorry. And he told the wife she didn't know what the heck she was talking about while his hand was in her face and that is another wow. raider wife. So, so for him to make a statement like that but then his actions are completely different or his actions have been in my opinion a bit self-serving
0: yeah <sighs> i don't i don't think there's any other way to really see it i mean the he says these words he's talking about all these buzzwords about oh you know integrating this and that blah, blah 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 which really doesn't mean shit um and then he says this stuff about honoring honoring the fallen honoring the families we're all we're all one big marine raider family and it's hollow words he's spewing bullshit bullshit and it's all self-serving it's it's supposed to make him look good it's supposed to make him he thinks he's intelligent he thinks he's you know With with this case, he thinks he's, you know, looking good in front of the SOCOM commanders. The Special Operations Command is over, Marine Special Operations Command. He thinks he's going to get his next promotion by taking this case that shouldn't go to court-martial. He's going to take it to court-martial anyways. He's going to try and get what he wants, and he's going to try and get promoted over it. Never mind how many people's lives are destroyed in the process never mind the fact that he's just spewing bullshit all the time when in reality the true general u is the type of guy to get in one of his marine raiders spouse's face and you know tell tell them off what this this is who this is who we choose to be the commander of marine special operations command He sounds like a little brat, a little, he's, he's completely self-serving. He, he hasn't been put in check in his own career. He gets a DUI on, on base and you know, he's putting Marines lives at risk driving around drunk and yet he doesn't get punished for it. He just gets to do whatever he wants. So, or go ahead.
1: I mean, he doesn't even take the time to speak to three individuals that have sacrificed over 18 years of service, all three individuals. You, those, um, those three individuals to include Danny, my husband, they have sacrificed their time, they have sacrificed families, you know, just because they they believe in in Marsak and they and they believe in this brotherhood and, and and they believe in the mission, and I just don't understand how it's so easy for somebody to go to sleep at night, burning three guys that have a family, and and would probably give up their their lives for that place. Um, and and those are the true silent warriors, but at the same time they're disposable heroes to general u. And look, these are these are my opinions, but I am going off of what I've experienced and what about and what I've seen. Um and it's just it's just really unfortunate. I don't really know how I feel about this whole situation. There's a, a lot of anger because I've already sacrificed one husband for an organization And now this is happening to me and I'm just not going to sit here and allow that to happen. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that this is the legal process and and this is how it works because if it does, it needs to change. So when people on the outside are wondering, well, why is she doing this and why is she doing that? There's a legal process. Well, if you don't know how it is and you're not in my situation, then you might want to kind of be quiet. And on top of that. Any spouse could have been in this situation, and if you don't really know your rights or you're not smart enough to go educate yourself about it, then, yeah, you're probably going to allow your husband to be in a certain place, but for me, I'm just not going to sit here on my couch when I've experienced the command with, with two different people, two very different situations.
0: I got to say, it's very admirable the way you're fighting for your husband right now and for the men in this case, and they are they are the real war fighters. They're the ones, when our nation decides to go to war, they're the ones volunteering to be put into a spot where they're in the most dangerous positions, and yet even in this case, um, to, to put some of this in perspective, the the... Ju- the military justice system was kind of put in place as like a wartime court, right? The ability to uh, conduct trials like while you're at war um, and it's to, quote, unquote, instill good order and discipline. And uh-huh. basically, the court can do whatever they want. And the to, as long as it falls, falls back to that, that premise. But here you have three actual warfighters the ones who are on the ground actually completing the missions given to them right and Uh they're the ones that have good order and discipline they're the ones that didn't leave the this former Mm special you know special forces green beret this contractor out in the middle of the street that was the friends they're the ones that didn't have good order and discipline they're the ones that left them Right? And they tried de escalating the situation. You know, it's they did they did the right thing. And not only that, they're each one of these 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 men, Josh, Eric, and your husband Danny, all have the career that backs it up. That they are stand up men and good at their jobs and yet look at the history of general U the one that is trying to punish them DUIs getting in families faces he's just a complete jackass and he's he's the one that gets to decide whether this goes to court martial there's something seriously wrong you you can't call this a justice system it's an injustice system and it needs to be changed um here's and this is this is why people need to get involved. And it's not, it's not just about the, it's, it's not just a military thing. It's, it's, it's not just this out of sight, out of mind. Hey, we'll let the military handle that. It, It doesn't affect me and my family. The Department of Defense is the largest employer in the United States. And so it it does it has second and third order effects when you have this injustice system this corrupt Mm -hmm. political system aside from it's it's connected it's connected to congress it's connected to um, these these powerful uh, companies within the defense industry and it's all self-serving and so these generals can these officers can move up get promoted and then get these nice cushy jobs at a defense contractor company and if so there's second and third order effects to this there's families uh-huh. that are trampled in the process and it takes you know i would say your your feeling of anger is very justified Um, But there's a huge emotional toll on the families. There's financial toll. I mean, before even being proven guilty, Mm -hmm. uh, you all have had pay stripped away from you. And, you know, a promotion where he'd be getting paid more has been put on hold all before a trial. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's a crazy system that needs to be changed. And this is why people need to get involved and try and get this case out in the public so we can get it disposed before it goes and here's a couple more reasons why it doesn't need to go to court-martial and that's because they're facing a high conviction rate um the only one that is the only country we the military justice system has the highest conviction rate (laughs) in the world Um, even more than communist china and the the jurors report to the convening authority. The jurors come from Marine Special Operations Command, um, and so they're not just like random, you know, partial impartial people that are deciding the fate of your case. Uh-huh. Um there hasn't been a presumption of innocence from the beginning. So why would you want to go to trial if you haven't been presumed innocent? And, uh, they're overcharging them when it's clearly self-defense. Why would you want to go to trial for charges that are way overcharged? And then there's the going through this process, the destruction to your family's health and finances. So what? How can you explain to us sort of like the second and third order effects of this?
1: Okay, so what what I find interesting is right after the Article Thirty Two hearing, mind you, before that none of the names were released. After the Article Thirty Two hearing, the names were released and the charges were. <clears throat> release. And I guess nobody at Marstock maybe thought about the second and third order a, uh, third order of effects. So we have children and we have kids and our kids go to school. We live in neighborhoods and people hear these things and some people will just listen to all the bad stuff. Oh my gosh. Her dad is a murderer. My my daughter plays on the soccer league in the community. And you don't want to have to think about how that affects us and the stress. And then you didn't even think about <clears throat> if you're going to tr- try my husband and you're going to assume he's guilty, what about after he gets out and how that affects him? So here we, have, here we have a guy that has 18 years of good service, nothing bad on his record, but now his picture is, is floating on the Internet. So how is he supposed to get a job? As General Yu just gets to retire and enjoys the rest of his life. I just don't know how that man goes to sleep at night. I don't know how he looks at himself in the mirror with the confidence that he's doing something right. And I don't understand why there's certain individuals at the command that don't speak up.
2: Because I
1: was under the impression that this was a brotherhood. I was under the impression that this was a culture that stands next to, you know, the man beside them that he's gone off to war with. But there's so many people over there that are just looking out for themselves and they're not putting themselves in our position.
0: Yeah, and unfortunately, from what I've learned, get Getting getting involved and finding out more about how this system works, and it, I was in the military. I was in Marsoc. I was, you know, it's. I've I've seen parts of the the military justice system, but I had no idea how how big this thing goes and how it really is a. It's a command climate. It's a. It's. The, this culture within the department of defense that is corrupt. It is absolutely Uh corrupt and it is disgusting. And so whether, okay, let's say even though department of defense is the biggest employer, right? So you may have a relative or somebody, this is how it affects the everyday person. You probably know somebody that works for the department of defense and, and they're working for a corrupt system. So, and, and we're not talking about like the war fighters, right? The people who are doing, executing the mission and actually doing good things around the world. We're talking about the, the higher level uh, part of the de- Department of Defense. And you, it, let's say you don't even have somebody, you, you know, a family member or anything. If you're a United States citizen, you're paying taxes, you're paying into this corrupt system. You're paying da- Daniel Yu's fucking paycheck as a, as a two-star general, you know? um. So you're, you're, you're in this, whether you want to be or not, it, it's affecting everybody. And it's, it's sad to hear that. And that it it seems just common for daniel yu and the you know other officers in the command there there's just a culture of we'll just trample over everybody as long as i get ahead in my career it doesn't matter about our mission which is to be like the best fighting force for america it, it none of that stuff matters the only thing that matters is my next little position in in this in this scheme and and they'll just they'll just lie cheat do whatever they have to do to to get there uh-huh. doesn't matter how many families they destroy doesn't ma- matter how many innocent people they put in put behind bars um, put in prison it doesn't matter and that's why I mean it's it's really sad to see something like this play out. Um uh-huh. it makes it makes me angry as as an American citizen it it angers me that this type of treatment is happening to our best warfighters, the ones that are who are actually doing the job. Um there's I- it's 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 these commands that aren't commanders. Who aren't even upholding their their missions, their ideals, the s- supposed um, you know ideology behind this these warrior ethoses and these ideas, these principles that that we're fighting for. Like the Special Operations Command on their own website, they have a soft truth. The number one soft truth is humans are more important than hardware. Uh-huh. and yet they're they're trampling over the human aspect they're not seeing the human aspect yeah how can daniel you sleep at night when he, they they've lost any any sense of empathy or feeling of understanding that the people doing the job for them making them look good are humans they're humans they're not okay. robots and they don't deserve to be just discarded when, you know, when something happens and you tell a lie, you put a false story out there, and then to back it up or do do whatever just to get your next promotion, you're just going to bring this to court-martial? Um,
2: well, I, I don't know if you can
0: hear, but I'm... <laughs> It gets me riled up, and (laughs) I just I want to hear about like your your thoughts on sort of what we've talked about a lot. We've covered a lot of of material.
1: It's ironic you talk about human aspects. Yeah. When you've pretty much alienated three guys and you've humiliated them. What makes you think, not that this has ever came up, but, but it has within uh, special operations, you belittled them. And what's to say one of these guys don't commit suicide or something happens to their families and their, and their families fall apart? And, you know, you just don't, I don't understand, but people don't think about it in that sense where these guys would give up their life and you won't uh, you won't even check up on them or I don't know it, it's it's frustrating for me to sit there and look at my husband who believes in this organization and, and I'm I'm pretty sure he still believes in this organi- organization still like deep down inside because this is all he has done for his whole entire career, from recon into MARSOC. So it, it's frustrating to see that's all, pretty much that's all he knows. Like, that's his culture. And, and those are his brothers, and you want him to trust and be loyal to the command, but it's not reciprocated back. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a problem. And just just a whole empathy. I mean, I don't even know if that exists over there anymore, because as I mentioned to you, everything's a check in the block. And, and I've I've been on on both sides. I've I've been a gold star wife within Marsac, and everything has orders. So for me, going through one situation and now going through this, it's like, okay. With my first situation and, and losing my husband, it's like, okay, she has a cal- casualty officer. Check. We did the celebration of life. Check. You know, we did this. Check. This, this, and this. It's just all checking the boxes. Oh, okay. Well, make sure she knows about these programs and this and that. And then it's like, okay, be on your way. Everything's a facade to me. The whole honoring the fallen. I mean, I know it means a lot to some people. I, I do so i'm not I'm not faulting everybody in the command, and I'm not saying that I need certain kind of treatment because because I don't because I've been able to do it on my own and, and and for me it's it's up to me to to honor the person that I lost, but even in this current situation that I'm in, it's like everything's a check a check in the box, okay, yeah, we did this, we did that. But then you like miss out on all the, the critical stuff, like the stuff that the crap that you preach about the families, about communication, about trust, about transparency. None of that exists over there. Or that you actually even care. I just don't understand how you funnel so much money into one operator and you dispose of them so quickly. And who even knows the retention rate right now over there at Marsoc? But I know we have personal friends that have gotten out to go be pilots with the National Guard or to go mm-hmm. on the active duty side or to become a SF Green Beret versus stay over there at Marsoc. So I just, I just don't understand the organization and I, I just don't understand why there is no communication, why my family's treated this way. But you expect me to just play nice. And I'm not saying anything out of, out of a bad, out of bad intentions. I'm saying things about how I'm experiencing it
2: yeah, and, you're and what I'm seeing.
1: And every, everybody knows like every general wants to put their stamp on something and General Yu wants to put his stamp on MARSOC for whatever reasons. You know, he did the integration first, going to second and third. And you pro- he probably thinks in his mind he's going to go down in history books and officers are going to write about him. But nobody cares and people are going to forget you because that, the foundation of that place is built off the backs of people like Danny, like Eric, like Josh, and other silent warriors over there and guys that gave their life to that place. That is what that foundation is built on. Not some general who's only there for three to four years, who has the ability to ruin lives and walk away and move forward in his life, and then the next person comes in place. Because those operators will still be there and they will work silently and they will, you can work the dog crap out of them and they'll do it with with pride and integrity because that's all they know and that's what's really unfortunate and that's what I see from the outside looking in
0: yeah Um, it's so so unfortunate that General Yu is missing the mark and so many other you know corrupt officers like him and What's what's gonna be left when when they're sitting on their deathbed and they're like, "Oh man, I made a bunch of money." What does that mean? What what Nothing. what kind of what kind of legacy are you leaving? Like you said, you're, they're so forgettable, but yet the the ripples they're creating in this universe that that go out. And have those second and third order effects on destroying families, destroying good men's lives. Like that's that's the energy you want to put out into this world. And it just it's 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 disgusting and um we need to do something about it.
1: hmm. And I just hope this going on and the situation that Danny, Josh, and Eric are in, people are really quick to just compare it to other situations that happened early on years previous. And and it's not the same thing. And nobody takes the time to maybe look at everything that they have done and the, the type of men that they are. And the situation that occurred, they still took care of somebody that probably didn't really like them, um, and, and they they didn't they didn't leave him behind. They took him back, and uh, it's just it's like it's frustrating because that that moment that occurred, which is very tragic. the blame shouldn't be put on them because they did do the right thing. Mm -hmm. And I just don't understand why the command doesn't see it that way because I've sat through the Article 32. I've sat through, you know, the past arraignment, and I'll sit through every one of the trials. I don't know. I just at this at this point, I just want it to be over, and I'm wishing the best. But I, I'll tell you this: I won't put my trust in the command, uh, just because of everything that I mentioned—from you know the crap talking to other officers, stating things in front of subordinates, to making these guys feel that they are guilty the whole time, or, or portraying that or putting that out there. Um, Before hearing facts, I just I just don't know. Um, And you know, people can probably sit there and say, "Oh man, she's just she's trying to put down the commands and everything and all these things because she she feels a certain way." But anybody that personally knows me knows me knows that I can handle a lot of stuff, and and I understand that life is very unfair, but it's unfair to every single person in this world. But when something is unjust, that is a whole different thing. And maybe people don't understand that unfair and unjust are two different things, but it's unbearable for my family right now. Uh, But I'm not going to let this whole situation destroy my family. That's for sure. I'm going to stand by the person because I believe in them and I've heard the facts. And I know the type of person that he is. And I know he's somebody that would give you his freaking shirt off of his back or give you the last of his money. Or if you call our house at 2 o'clock in the morning, he will go pick you up or he'll hear you or he'll listen to you. Or he'll have his friends come over that are struggling, and he'll sit there and listen and listen to be the soundboard to them. And I just wish that there were more people that were doing that for him and our family. Because there really isn't that many, and that's okay. <laughs> because it's, any support is though. better than no support. It is. So I mean, I don't. I. We will see in the next few months, like what happens. And I do hope maybe the military justice system will work in our in our favor. You know, because at, at this point, that's all that I have. Because I'm. As I said, I'm not going to put my trust in in the commands and because, uh, to me, in my life, they don't really exist except for those few people that really care about me and my family and Danny. But those relationships were already established way before this, and those people are the ones that know Danny and, and truly know the type of person that he is and then the type of family that we are.
0: Wow. Um well I I don't see it as you just talking bad about the command. I I see you as a very strong woman who's already lost one Marina Raider husband and you're fighting for your current husband Danny who's an honorable man and um I think it's very admirable of you and you're being a good example of what supporting your loved ones and your friends is supposed to look like and Uh you'll do do whatever it takes to help you know support that person even though they're facing immense pressure i mean you all have been under this weight for over a year now and yep um you know the the command's the one that released their names and put mm-hmm. this out in the public view. Why why shouldn't and they they've been parroting a a lie and a false story out in the public and behind closed doors within the command tainting, you know, potential juror pools and all this. So what I don't think anybody should, you know, nobody can rightfully hold uh you hold anything against you for you sharing your story your experience going through this this hell and um, mm-hmm. and I I really appreciate you being willing to to share your story
1: thank you because it's um, it's not easy for somebody like me to discuss things in, in my life or to be vulnerable um, but obviously When the stakes are high and it's my husband's career and it's our livelihood, I'm going to make myself look very transparent and and vulnerable to the public because they need to know because it's not a clear-cut and dry situation. Mm -hmm. Um, And to be honest, I mean, serving like 13 years in the military and being a military brat and and my dad being in law, it's – Within the military, you know, um, it's it's just really, it's something that I I think I've learned. I think I've learned more in 14 months than I have had in my whole military career. And talking to my dad about it, it's I've just learned way too much, and I I never knew all these things, you know, being in the military about. UCMJ. Of course, you know there are certain things that I could probably, you know, quote out of it, but nothing that relates to this. And now that I that I read about things and and I double check and I go look, there's there's just there is no black and white area, and it, it doesn't it doesn't play in the in the favor of the defendant. because they'll just keep stacking charges, and stacking charges, and something has to stick. And that's when you're talking about the the conviction rate. People are thinking, oh my gosh, the conviction rate. Oh, you know, it, it's gonna be, you know, murder and this and that. And it's like, no, 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 no. They'll take like the littlest thing, like dereliction of duty, um, and, and they'll charge them with that. But people don't, people don't understand that. So.
0: Yeah. Even even after he, they they've already been punished. <laughs> yeah. <are>, they've already <laughs> been punished, and then when people don't understand is after your career if if you end up getting any of those charges charged with any of them um you know you're going to have difficulty trying to get a job after the military
2: mm-hmm. they oh, yeah.
0: lost your security clearances most of the jobs that we have uh, offered to us getting out of the military um coming from marine special operations to do something that is like, sort of, uh, makes sense for the the, n- the next step or whatever, um, it requires a security clearance. So uh-huh. it's it's very very unfortunate. And so how how can people support you, Danny? That, that you know, in in this in this time as we're waiting for this. This uh, court-martial date? How can people get involved?
1: They um, they can get involved through UAP, uh, Reconnaissance Foundation, and uh, Recon Sniper Foundation. And, I mean, heck, you could support just by listening and being a little bit more educated before you speak or you talk or you want to be a keyboard warrior. That would be nice. Um, or, you know, have some, be a little empathetic and maybe put yourself in, in our shoes because people are so quick to say things without any backing or knowledge or facts. Um, so as you said, we're still human. We still yeah. have feelings. We still have emotions. We still have to live our lives and, and try to raise kids that can, can thrive in this world. So that would just be nice. Um. I don't know just, just take the time to, to, to really think things thoroughly before you say things. So
0: well, I'll I'll include links in the description of of this video but that's uap.org and they're um what there's they're they're raising uh they help defend warfighters uh-huh. when they're on trial yeah. and then um, recon sniper foundation and the recon foundation are also helping support. So I'll include links to those. Um, make sure you go check them out, see how you can get involved, see how you can help. Fred, when I podcasted with him also mentioned that, you know, in order to get this case disposed, we need to get this out in the public and get the right people to hear it. Um, President, Trump is the commander in chief and could um, he can move freely with you know all through the DOD. So um, a way way to do that that Fred was mentioning was sometimes sending letters to your uh, congressmen and senators isn't enough. If the way (laughs) the system works, if you say anything about you were in the military, like if I said I was a Navy you know, special operations corpsman, they would send that to the Navy. It wouldn't even go, it, it goes to the congressman's office and then they see Navy on it and then they send it to the Navy. So, mm-hmm. um, and they're expected to, <laughs> you know, so how are you expected to see change if, if the service is handling it? It seems like it's all handled <laughs> in-house. So right. if you can go out to where your representatives are doing at town hall and ask them, you know, stand up and ask a question say hey um have you heard about this case there's an injustice that's about to be happening um can you can you get involved to support you know the injustice that happens within our uh military and ask them to join the justice for warriors caucus there's there's a group and uh so the idea is that they they can then, you know, they have more chance of getting the the ear of the president. Obviously, he's got a lot on his table, but um, they may be able to fill him in on what's going on. So, and share share these podcasts. Go listen to the one I did with Fred. Get some. We talked a lot about how the military justice system works. Um there's several other podcasts out there worth worth listening to um' this soft rep did did a podcast um so yeah and and share em. share the information get it get it out there share destiny's story um and because <laughs> frankly i i believe this needs to change destiny this Mm-hmm. we we shouldn't even be having this conversation um yeah. but i'm thankful that you're willing to share yourself and share your heart and your experience and that we can get this story out here because it is happening and it's happening to humans it's happening to your family to you know your kids and um and your husband and this this and t- two other men and their families, you know, and then uh-huh. it's also there's there's another family, the family of the deceased, involved in this as well. Uh-huh. So let's let's do what we can to support support you, support your family, and everyone involved. Um, again, I I can't thank you enough for you in your family service to this nation you served yourself um you've you've already sacrificed so much for this country you've already already lost one marine raider husband and um me as being being out of the military now i just uh, i am very thankful for those who continue to do the job i'm thankful for danny and um for you supporting him in this and i just you know I admire you for for the courage you've you've shown in this, and I just encourage you all to just keep fighting, and I know you will.
1: Oh, thank you, Dan, and you know, thank you for being very patient with me throughout this whole process. Um, thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak freely and speak what was on my mind.
0: Awesome. Well, did you have anything else you'd like to share?
1: No, I think
0: that's it okay all right well thanks a lot for joining me and uh, people please get involved all right bye destiny bye thank you
1: Dan